This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the Mark Weber. Dub them ease. Or, I'm sorry, at the Mark Weber. There you go. And we are back for another edition of the Onside Kick right here on Most Valuable Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything in the NFL. And, Mark, today we are continuing our fantasy football rankings. We got two left. I got confused We're last almost week. at the end. I thought kickers was this week when we were doing it last week. I completely forgot about defenses. That is what we are doing today. Next week, we will finish our fantasy football rankings when we rank the best position yep. for your fantasy team. The kicker. And we look at kickers. But Now, fun fact for fantasy football, All in, right. in your draft, if you do completely mm-hmm. forget about defense, you'll probably lose. You will probably so, lose. So, pro tip, don't forget about the defense. Gotta have a good one. We had mm-hmm. one in one of my fantasy leagues when I was in college. Someone got so angry that someone took, like, Cam Newton or something at number two mm-hmm. that he immediately, I'm going to take the Eagles. It was like when the Eagles defense was rated number one, and he's like, yeah. I'm taking the Eagles defense. And we're like, at number three overall? That's hey, how high you're going to take Making sure he gets his defense. He then traded the Eagles defense two weeks into the season. But a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Number one, if you want to help support the channel, go check out patreon.com backslash Podcast. You want to join a podcast, the $10 tier is how you do that. We also have t-shirts. Mark is actually wearing his today. You can get one of those MVP t-shirts with the link down below in the description. You can also find that link on mosvalopodcast.com while you're checking out everything for MVP that is posted. It's your one-stop shop for everything that we put out. And then last but not least, if you're on Apple Podcasts, you're listening on iTunes, you have an iTunes, you have an Apple Podcast, make sure to go on there, give the Onside Kick a five-star rating, and type a little something-something about why you like listening to it, why other people should listen to it. It would really help us out, really help us grow, and it would mean the world to us if you guys would take the time and do that. But, Mark, like I said, we're talking fantasy defenses. However, we're only doing the top 16. So because of that, we're only going to have two segments of actual fantasy football. Then we're going to close the show, going back to our original roots, kind of talking some news, going to be talking some trade possibilities, maybe some trade destinations for Earl Thomas this season if the Seahawks decide to trade him. But let's go right into our defense rankings. We're going to start with 9 through 16, and let's start at the bottom. Number 16, the New York Giants. Then at number 15, the Atlanta Falcons. Number 14, the Chicago Bears. Then at number 13, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number 12, the New England Patriots. Number 11, the Seattle Seahawks. Number 10, the Carolina Panthers. Claw up. And then number 9, the New Orleans Saints. Who dat? The first one I want to mention is the Bears. This is a team that you had a little bit higher than me. I had at 16, mainly because of what we were talking about last week. Of Don't want to overhype this team. Yes, it has some young pieces. I know you told me before we were recording, hey, this is a top 10 defense last year. But to me, the big thing is why I had them so low is this schedule for the Bears is pretty hard. And they're going to be going up against some big time offenses this year. Yeah, I mean, for sure, they're going to see some good offenses. I mean, that's the thing that any 
defensive team uh, or defensive union, I should say, in the NFC North. It's a little scary compared to some other divisions where you're confident of like, oh, okay, the Ravens are going to play the Browns twice a year, Mm -hmm. whatever. You know, there is no cupcake in the NFC North, so you can't have any of that. The thing about the Chicago Bears where I think we are a little low on them is because, like I said, they're a top 10 defense last year. They had a great uh, run-stopping defense. They had some powerful parts of the secondary. If you're a fan of PFF's grades, Mm -hmm. which I know some people in the comment section are, some people are not, the Bears had some top-level talent uh, in the secondary positions as well, which surprises a Chicago Bears fan. Um, So they had a lot of parts. And then you get Floyd back. Uh, Then you're also going to go ahead and add Roquan Smith, who's supposed to be such a great kind of instinctual linebacker, Mm -hmm. a kind of guy you want right in the core. And hopefully a guy like Fuller continues to be good because I'm actually a little weary of that. I think he's going to regress this year. But this is a team that defensively should get better. And when you add in the fact that you don't have a conservative play caller uh, in John Fox now, that offense should be on the field more often, in theory. And I mean, I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record here, because I feel like I said this in our last week's segment when we had Patrick on, and we kind of talked about, are the Bears overhyped, or are we overhyping the Chicago Bears? The thing is, and we even mentioned this, I'm going to kind of give a spoiler, but not a spoiler, there was a tie in our upper top Mm -hmm. 10 or top 8 is how we're doing it. There was a tie with the Minnesota Vikings, and to be honest, the Vikings lost that tie because your argument against them was, oh, they're in the NFC North. They're going to have to Compared go up against— Compared to the other team that yeah, is except in for a the other team. division. And for me, because the Bears were also in a tie with the Steelers. Yeah. And that was virtually the reason why I put Steelers the Bears lower. are in a division and where they don't have as much competition well, as they the have, Bears are going to have. They have, have the 0-16 Browns. You yeah. win. Like, you win right there. And— the thing is, not only do you have to go up against Aaron Rodgers, Kurt Cousins, and Matthew Stafford all twice a year, I look at this schedule, here are some of the quarterbacks, just the quarterbacks, that the Bears are going to be playing. Green Bay or Aaron Rodgers twice a year. Russell Wilson. Tom Brady. Stafford twice a year. Cousins twice a year. Eli Manning. Jared Goff. Jimmy Garoppolo. The only one I passed on that I'll put in asterisks, two of them that I passed on that I'll put in asterisks next to, Jameis Winston, because really my, I have questions with Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think the should. Bears will win that one. And also Arizona, Sam Bradford, or Josh Rosen, depending on what the Cardinals look like. But mm-hmm. that one will probably be a winnable game. But most of their games, they're going to be going up against either good quarterbacks or, because those quarterbacks are good, really good offenses on top of it. So I kind of feel like the Bears, if their defense stumbles this year, will look back fantasy-wise and go, man, you know what? They played well defensively, but when it came to fantasy, they just gave up a ton of points because they were going against really good defenses. Which is possible. Unless they rise to the occasion. They shut these good offenses down. But I'm going to mm-hmm. go in favor of the offenses mm-hmm. than the Bears I defense just, that isn't I'm going to believe in Vic Fangio mm-hmm. because Vic Fangio knows how to get it done. Um, but with that being said, you know, if I'm going in here and I'm like the fifth team to draft a defense and I'm drafting mm-hmm. the Chicago Bears as that defense— I don't know that I made the right move. Yeah. But if you're, let's say you're in a 16-man league and your team 8 through 10 and you're drafting the Chicago Bears defense, mm-hmm. 
I think that could be solid. Let me ask you about a team, though. We talked about the team I put at 16. Let's talk yep. about the team you put at yeah. 16. The New York Giants. Yep. What's going on in your head? Why you put them at 16? The Giants are too much of a question mark for me. Uh <laughs> You know, I mean... You're talking about I can't pick them to win the Super Bowl like no. I did last year? Well, you can. Year. <laughs> you can do it. You can do anything you want. Uh, I'm not going to stop you. Now, uh, I'll make you hide in the locker room mm-hmm. if you want to do yeah. that. But anyways, uh, when it comes to the Giants, it comes down to this. De- this defense on paper looks great, but it just doesn't perform the way it's going gonna, it's gonna to need to. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of changes, and there was a lot of locker room issues last year. You have new coaches... But that type of thing does not automatically switch over. Sometimes it does carry over. And are there going to be leadership questions? And I I personally believe that Eli Manning will start all 16 games. Mm-hmm. But if you start to have some leadership issues and issues with quarterbacks, those backup quarterbacks, I do not believe in them to not turn the ball over immediately. Mm-hmm. And Eli already turns the ball over a lot too, meaning this defense is on the field a lot. That just, it scares me when the defense is on the field too much. I mean, for me, the big, like, the Giants are a question to me. And to be honest, to have a little transparency, it's not like I had them much higher than you. I had them at 15. Yeah. But to me, the question for them is, can this offense do enough to help out the defense? Because last year, we were saying, all right, this Giants team put a ton of money into the defense. That's going to be what carries them. Well, then on offense, it's you don't have a run game because you were in New York. They have never had a run game as long as I can remember. Now they've got Saquon. Now they've got Nelson and Saquon. Saquon's the one I'm really excited about. Odell was injured. Brandon Marshall was injured. They were riddled with injuries on the offensive side. Then you had the debacle with Eli Manning. I said Nelson. I meant Hernandez, by the way. Um, The thing that I wonder is if this offense, mainly now with a healthy Odell Beckham, and really a now run game because I'm mm-hmm. hoping Saquon can be the main guy to do it both running and passing. Will the offense be able to help this giant defense enough to where it's not? Because the thing that I worry when I'm drafting a defense for fantasy is how long will this defense be out on the field? Yeah, And if it's a team where if you're like, you know what? I'm not kind of thinking about defense in my first eight picks, or let's say you're in a 16-team league and you're not thinking defense until later on. If the Giants' defense is on the field a lot of the time, is that then going to be advantageous to me in my fantasy? Because yeah. like, wow, they weren't a bad defense, but they were just on the field a lot, got tired, and that's yep. where teams scored and th- points and they to, couldn't get turnovers. This team gave up more points than almost everybody. Mm-hmm. I think they were ranked 27th at that. And they and you did look at not, their and they did mm-hmm. not force as many no. turnovers as you would like. And you look at their their schedule and they really were negative three. Overall. There are only two teams on their schedule, mm-hmm. maybe three, uh, that I don't think will score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. That being the Jaguars, because it's not how they're built. Mm-hmm. The Colts, because is Andrew Luck going to be there or is he, or is he not? Mm-hmm. And then I'll put the asterisk for the Buccaneers just like you did. Yeah. Everybody else, I think, can score plenty of points on this mm-hmm. defense uh, because you're going against a lot of good quarterbacks, a lot of high-flying teams, a lot of teams that move fast. You're going to face a lot this coming year. The schedule for the New York Giants is not even slightly easy. No, it's not. And I mean, that's the thing where I think both the Bears and the Giants, by me and you kind of had them... Um, 
hovering at 16 for both of our list, Bears Eye, Giants U, is because the schedule is also tougher. Plus, with the Bears, they're on the up and up. But the Giants, so many question marks with... I mean, there are people out there who think that the Giants are going to be in the top three again this year. (laughs) They could, but I mean, to me, there's so many questions on offense to where is the offense going to help the defense out? And if the defense is on the field a ton, they get tired. I mean, last year... I'm saying top three in the draft. Oh, in the draft. Okay. People think they're going to be a top three pick. I thought you were saying like top three defense. No, no one's saying that. I could see this team being really good and them being a fantasy steal, mm-hmm. but I'm not banking on it is what I'm saying. Before we head on into eight, we have two more teams that we we're going to talk about. I'll let you pick between Seahawks and Patriots who you want yep. to hit next. Well, I want to talk about the Seahawks because right. the Seahawks to me— Because we're going to talk about them later on with yeah, Thomas. But the Seahawks to me are a big question mm-hmm. in, the fe- in the sense that the LOB is essentially done. You know, it has kind of fallen apart. Pieces I have call, gone elsewhere. I call it the Lassie syndrome. Take it behind back and let's end this because the LOB is dead. It, it essentially is dead. And you look at this team who still defensively, I mean, they're only giving up about 20 mm-hmm. points a game. So they're still good in that case. Um, but problems that they face is the fact that this offense, uh, you know, the offense is not as solid running the ball anymore. And that creates a problem for a team that is built to run the ball. Mm-hmm. When they're not running that way, that uh, that clock is not ticking. And this mm-hmm. defense is on the field too often. And add that to the fact that Russell Wilson's going to get sacked because they didn't do anything to once again help him behind the with his offensive line. They mm-hmm. still aren't fixing that. So it just scares me once again for this idea that Here's a defense that I think is going to be on the field way too often, and they're no longer the very top of their division. They, they're they going to compete, but there's no longer a guarantee that, yeah, they sit on top of the NFC well, West. Not only do you have to, it seems like each team offensively in their own division mm-hmm. is getting better. And, I mean, you have the Rams who already made their step last year. Many are thinking they're going to not only win the division, not only be one of the top two teams in the NFC, as Brandon talked about weeks ago on his That's What I Think, there's a lot of people, Brandon, including thinking the Rams are going to be heavy Super Bowl favorites next year. So you know that the Rams are going to come out firepower and score on you. And the Rams have always been a team that play the Seahawks tough. Oh, yeah. that, especially that first game that they play each year. The thing with this defense, and part of it is what I said about the Giants. You brought it up. The run game kind of helping out the defense. Mm -hmm. Can Rashad Penny be what they are missing to, because that's also the thing you think of. If a team runs the ball consistently, if you get a home run, that's seven points where, all right, the more points we score, we're going to force that team to get one-dimensional in the pass game. LLB going to pick off passes all game. That just gives me more fantasy points. Or, all right, we're not hitting home runs with the run game, but we're being consistent enough to where we're having long offensive drives. My defense comes out there well-rested. LOB kind of takes over, and that kind of helped them out. The thing that I wonder with this defense is, not necessarily for this year, but for years future, it kind of looks like this team is kind of refueling that defense because, we're like I mentioned, we're going to talk about Earl Thomas later. Cam Chancellor's another one that could be gone in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But then you look at just this draft. They add some big pieces like Rasheem Green, who might start. 
Shaquem Griffin that everyone was excited about. He's now paired again with his brother Shaquille, who is starting at cornerback for this team. Yeah. They bring in guys like Jacob Poog. They bring in guys like Puna Ford. They have basically drafted a lot of guys this past draft mm-hmm. from the defensive side and, of the ball. But a lot of those guys are later. And that's what picks. I'm saying. Yeah. This year, we might see a dip from the Seahawks fantasy-wise, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking with these draft picks, if some of them hit, that it kind of looks like the Seahawks overall are trying to refill yeah. that Legion of Boom, but it won't help you this year if you're trying to draft And they kind of need to. And, and you know, it, part of it's going to depend on if you're someone who believes like mm-hmm. Richard Sherman, if you're going to believe in Richard Sherman, who is saying that. Well, he you know, left. Well, he's gone well that's what I'm saying. If you're believing mm-hmm. in Richard Sherman when he says that Pete Carroll's kind of lost the team. Yeah. You know, that's where a lot of the issue came. They came well, from Pete Carroll. That's not even the half of it. I think it was even, uh, oh, was it Averill who also said that? Like after. That he said after that Super Bowl, when he didn't decide to run the ball, Marshawn Lynch divided the locker room. Yeah. Divided everyone. And that, and that's going to kind of play a little bit mm-hmm. into when we're talking about Earl Thomas, when we're talking about Cam Chancellor. Mm-hmm. You know, with those type of guys, if those are the, hey, this didn't work out, I need to just get some fresh faces in here because I need people who are going to believe in me. And that was part of, I remember Richard Sherman's complaining about how, uh, how um, Pete Carroll would just... He kept saying the same stuff, and he's like, after a while, I've heard it already. Coach isn't telling me anything new, mm-hmm. you know, and that's led some other people to speculate of, oh, maybe that's why he was so much more successful. Uh, well, I shouldn't say more successful anymore because he is a Super Bowl winning coach, but that's why he was so successful in college because guys came in and out the door so quickly. Um, you know, and I'm just putting that out there in the sense of if people are questioning Pete, uh, Pete Carroll's leadership and if that's going to continue later on. The last team we'll talk about in this kind of section before we move to our top eight, the New England Patriots. And the reason why you wanted to men- mention them here for defense is Matt Patricia is no longer there. Yep. A lot of people, like you said before we started rec- uh, recording, not reporting, recording the podcast, were saying that many people think of Matt Patricia is that mastermind behind yeah. the Patriot defense. The thing is, is I look at the Patriots right now and their coaching staff. They For offense, they have an offensive coordinator down. They have Josh McDaniels down. Yep. But when I look at their defensive coaches, they've got a linebackers coach. They've got a defensive line coach. They have a cornerbacks coach. And they have a safeties coach. And you might be telling me, well, Ricky, that's great because those are all the coaches you need on defense. But there's one that seems to be missing, defensive coordinator. And that's because one of the things that it looks like that that tells me is that Bill Belichick is going to be double dipping. He's doing it himself. He's going to be head coaching and defensive coordinating. Which coaches do. It's not like it's it's not heard of. Is that going to play into how the Patriots defense performs this year? Being Bill Belichick Mm -hmm. double dipping compared to having a guy like Matt Patricia cover all the roles. It certainly could. I mean, and it's going to depend a little bit on those other guys. There's certainly going to be more asked for the mm-hmm. position coaches now. And, you know, what really mattered for the Patriots defense? Turnovers. Mm-hmm. That's what mattered. And can they repeat that level of success that they've had now that they've had a great coach They were uh, plus Patricia six. leaving? They were plus six last year mm-hmm. in the turnover game. They had 12 interceptions on defense, six fumbles. That was 18 total yeah. last year. So they 
if they can continue that, mm-hmm. then we have the Patriots ranked too low. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's just with those changes, with Patricia leaving, uh, are some of these guys going to believe in that still? Is Bill Belichick going to be able to give as much to that? Do you want to be one of those people that believes in ESPN? I know Sean is not one of those people. But uh, the Brady-Belichick divide. Yeah, and if Belichick is also coaching the defense more hands-on now, mm-hmm. that sounds, if you believe in that, that sounds dangerous for a locker room just in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you've got Tom Brady and Belichick and how many of the players are going to be behind Brady, how many of them are going to be behind Coach. I'll be completely honest. When I hear ESPN kind of start to bleed that out, like I think on NFL Live either mm-hmm. today or yesterday, they were talking about, Oh, will we see a divide? Like, the divide that's in the locker room, will we see that spill out into the field? And I don't think so. If there is a divide in the locker room between Belichick and Brady, I think that both are professional enough to have it not affect them on the field this year. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons, how I've always seen the Patriots— Well, they did just make a Super Bowl. Yeah. And how I've always seen the Patriot defense for the last, like— few years with Tom Brady is for me, they've always been, and I might be crazy for thinking this, they were always a safe choice for defense because it was never a defense like last year. You get Jacksonville and you know, hey, I am going to get some points on defense. They're going to be high flying. A team like Minnesota where it's like, cool, I'm going to have some games where I get some real high points. Mm -hmm. The Patriots have some good games defensively, but the Big thing is, and this is kind of a theme throughout how I think with defenses, is t- having Tom Brady on the other side of the ball is the defense's biggest asset. Because with Tom Brady doing what he does, controlling the game, controlling the game on offense, it takes a lot of pressure off of that defense, and they can be put in more beneficial situations For sure. because— their team in the regular season, depending, like, let's say I'll throw out Buffalo or Miami or Detroit. Some of these games where it's like, all right, we're not playing from behind a lot. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to feel the pressure because we got Tom Brady on the other side kind of keeping us in front, that offense keeping us winning Mm -hmm. the game. And, hey, we're not playing as long as you don't get into uh, garbage mode. Mm hmm. Which garbage, garbage time, garbage minutes, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. worst thing for a fantasy football owner mm-hmm. when your defense is out there and nothing but second stringers. Yep. Well, I mean, for a defense, it depends on what your defense is. If the defense is going to be getting interceptions from those garbage time players, no, then when sure. you got those second string garbage time, typically usually means the second stringers are out there, so they're not going to be getting turnovers. And, they're going to be giving. You know, up that's points. when that uh, quarterback suddenly gets mm-hmm. a touchdown or two. Yeah, and it doesn't matter because they and were it, down by thirty. But it knocked. It could knock your defense down three exactly. points, which could hurt you exactly. in the end. The thing that I think we're not hitting with these, and like, I mean, for me, really. I mean, I wish we could talk about this more on this side, but mm-hmm. basically they just changed the kickoff rule. So for me, I, like people the special are, team well, are going to say, guys, it's special team. Also, yeah, there might be a kick return that helps you out. Might They're be a punt rid of return. Kickoff anyways. But it's like with the new, I hate the new rule for kickoff. Like I'm not saying that I love the kickoff and I think that don't touch the kickoff. Like for me, I'm all for what that American Football League, whoever is the commissioner or owner of that when he was you on mean the Dan Patrick the, show. You uh, mean the Alliance? 
That one, yeah. where he came out and said, basically, you get the ball at the 25, or you get the ball at the 30, and if you want to onside mm-hmm. kick it, basically, you have a fourth and 10. If you complete, like, I like that situation compared to I, a kickoff, but I do understand. I would rather have a kickoff, but my point on the kickoff for the NFL mm-hmm. at this point is they're going to get rid of it, so just rip the bandaid off. Yeah, because of, pl- of, of player safety. Yeah, player safety. Yeah. They, they, get, they care so much about player safety. But I mean, like, really the part of me that's like, I don't want For the kickoff. For our uh, audio-only people, yeah, that was sarcasm, quotes. yeah. But I don't, the reason why I don't mm-hmm. want them to take the kickoff away is because I feel like if they do, a lot of NFL players are going to lose chances at jobs because that takes, it basically takes the bottom of the barrel and basically, whoop, we're throwing you out Your the window. Your 53-man roster can become about 45. Yeah, because you don't need as many guys to yeah. fill out that kickoff roster any team we didn't mention that you want to give some love to before we move on? Uh, well, claw up always. But, uh, <laughs> no, for the for the Saints actually. That's, that's a team I was going to throw out. Yeah, for the Saints, I they have that young defense, mm-hmm. and you know people are going to remember that mistake that they made. Sti- do you think they're still not just the the guy who made it, but do you think that defense is still thinking about that? I'm sure they are. Like thinking about it all off season because I would. I I'm wouldn't. Sure they I would. wouldn't let that thought leave my mind. Yeah. If I. Uh, I mean, OTAs are happening, but mm-hmm. day one of camp, I'm sitting that defense down. We're watching that play. I just want wa- to see it. I'd watch that entire series. I, I want them to see it and say, mm-hmm. so what happened? Yeah. What went wrong? I would watch the entire series leading up to it mm-hmm. because they had some good plays yeah. before that, and they were feeling confident, and then they just basically shit the bed basically with Lattimore. They just made a simple mistake, Williams and that's and- all it takes. With Williams's defense, and the thing I want to mention with them is they were a young defense. They add a pass rusher like Marcus Davenport. Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised if this defense. I know we haven't been nine, so it's technically top ten. Don't be surprised if this defense does some great things this year. Yeah, and kind of almost cracks the top five there's, scoring. There's going to be some of those teams right now that are that kind of surefire. Like, don't mm-hmm. splash on the Jaguars or the Vikings. You don't mm-hmm. need to. You can wait. You can for get the a Saints. Saints later on yeah. and kind of get some guys at a different position. Exactly. Um, but this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below about any of the defenses that we talked from nine through sixteen. Let's move on into our next. Let's finish out the. I'm not used to saying let's finish out the ranking so soon because usually we're doing one through thirty or one through thirty two. But with sixteen, you only get two segments. So before we get into everything, if you have not checked out our nine through sixteen. Make sure to check out that for our fantasy football rankings for the defenses and special teams. But let's go through our top eight, starting off with number eight, the Denver Broncos. Then at number seven, the Houston Texans. Number six, the Los Angeles Chargers. Number five, the Baltimore Ravens. Number four, the defending Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles. The number three, we have the Minnesota Vikings, my Minnesota Vikings. Then at number two, the L.A. Rams. And then at number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the first team I'm going to bring up to you, and this is the first one that I just want to throw out there. Can only talk about them for a little bit because this is the extra team I threw on top. The Denver Broncos. Because for me... I had them the lo- almost the lowest out of the top eight. I think I had the Texans the lowest out of these teams. Yeah. My concern with the Broncos is, yes, they bring in Case Keenum. Yes, they bring in a competent quarterback, you could say, because the big question for him is, was last year a fluke or was last year for real? 
And the thing I wonder with this team is with bringing in Case Keenum for giving that offense a shot in the arm and actually giving them a quarterback, how much pressure and how much weight is going to be on this defense this year? Because if they have to carry most of the weight, I feel like this defense will not break, but bend to a major degree this year when it comes to fantasy points. I mean, they weren't an amazing defense last mm-hmm. year. They really were not that great, but the team itself was not that amazing. They were 5-11. And, I mean, and they did add Bradley Chubb, which is yeah. a good well, pass-rushing yeah. I was going to say that uh, mm-hmm. we're, you know, I love that you talk about a player. The first one you mentioned is Case Keenum when uh, Bradley that's, Chubb's out there. Well, that's the headline player was Case Keenum because of the position he plays. Yeah, sure. And because of their need at that position, although John Elway's their they uh, believe in him. their general manager. They believe in Case Keenum. Uh, and you do bring up the good point of is Case Keenum the real deal, one, but mm-hmm. two, enough to keep the defense off the field. I mean, that's been the theme of the day so far is – Defensives, defenses that are on the field mm-hmm. a lot have going, more opportunities to give up points. Yeah, they're going to lose points for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the Denver Broncos with Bradley Chubb, that's fantastic. I think the thing that the Bra- uh, the Bradley Chubbs, uh, the Denver Broncos are going to do, we're saying the Bradley Chubb like it's his defense. It's Von Miller's <laughs> defense still. But they're going to sack quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what they're going to do. That's where you're going to love having the Denver Broncos because they're going to get to quarterbacks. They're going to force mistakes. They will be a turnover uh, good defense as long as Case Keenum isn't also turning the ball over too. But that secondary, are you scared of it? I know they still have Roby out there. I know mm-hmm. they still have Chris Harris out there. Yeah. But, I mean, this is also a team that traded away Aqib Tlaib this season and sure. got rid of him. And I just say, look at the secondary and I wonder, will this team just be a all right, they're getting after the quarterback, and if they don't get after the quarterback, they got nothing. Well, I do think if they're giving a quarterback time to to, to decide what to do and throw the ball, then, mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to run into issues. But, you know, with guys, of course, like Brandon Marshall, that Brandon Marshall, not the one on the Seahawks now. I love when people start tweeting at him because right? Brandon Marshall, the wide receiver, starts playing like crap. Uh, Chubb with Von Miller. You know, with McDonald, with Wolf, they have guys who are going to get to a quarterback. Mm-hmm. They're going to make a impact. Uh, it's not a question of can they get the pass rush going. This pass rush will be there. Mm-hmm. And it will be there to where if you don't believe in the backfield that much, the defensive back, that's okay. They will be elevated by this great pass rush because that's how mm-hmm. it works. Now, the problem is when they do face some of those elite uh, offensive lines, sure, that that'll get exposed a little bit with the defensive backs. But that's going to be a great thing that helps them. The problem for for them is exactly what you're saying with Case Keenum mm-hmm. because I don't know that I believe in Case Keenum outside of the uh, Shermer offense. Well, and the thing that helps their defense is I don't know if it helps or hurts, but right now I look at their schedule and I don't know how to feel about the schedule because first off, I'll start with the division. I don't know how to peg this division this year because – Yes, if I start throwing out names, you'll be like, wow, those are some really good offensive names. But I have questions about Oakland because I just don't know what that team is going to be with John Gruden at the helm. Then I have the Kansas City Chiefs where basically it's the same system. It's the Andy Reid system with a new offensive coordinator. And a new quarterback. But it's Patrick Mahomes. And what am I going to see out of him, the young quarterback, compared to the proven Alex Smith in KC, 
And then you have L.A. where maybe they're poised now to take this division over. I know a lot of people think it's their their division this year in a second. But I mean, I wonder if like, okay, that's the toughest opponent you're going to have this year in your division. Then I look at the other games where it's like Seattle could be a tough one. You got a tough quarterback, but we'll see what we get from that team this year. Baltimore, where it's like, is that team... That game is primed to be a low-scoring game, I think. Not just low-scoring, but I prime that one as Joe Flacco's throwing interceptions, getting sacked by that defense. That's what I'm thinking. Then you could have a rookie quarterback when you play the Jets. The Rams will be tough. You'll have Arizona. I don't know how because I don't know which quarterback's going to play. I just know it's not going to be Mike Glennon. Then you have Houston Week 9, Deshaun Watson. If he's healthy in the Deshaun Watson we saw last year, that could mean trouble. Big Ben could mean trouble. But then, like, Cincinnati's easy. Cleveland's easy for me. And then San Fran, which I'm going to throw that into the hard pile just because of Jimmy Garoppolo. This schedule could be a mix to where it's like this defense is really good some games, but then other games it's like, wow, they ran into a team, and I only got five fantasy points from them this week. Yeah, I mean, they're ranked as our eighth defense. Mm-hmm. For a lot of leagues out there, that is the bottom part of That means defenses. you are the last starting defense I am taking. Yeah, exactly. If you're an eight-man league. If you're an eight-man league, if you're a ten-man league, you're saying this is the bot. I mm-hmm. I missed out on most of the good ones, but, you know, at least I got a good mm-hmm. extra running back. Yeah. You know, uh, 12, same thing. Mm-hmm. So the Broncos and the next team we're going to talk about, well, maybe or when we eventually talk about the Texans, those two mm-hmm. are the question mark defenses for a couple of reasons that we're going to mm-hmm. get into. For the Broncos— this defense didn't perform as well as they should have yeah. last year. It's that simple. And a lot they of it also was a didn't terrible have a offense. Yeah. yeah. So now with that being kind of fixed and for losing, they also lost a 1,000-yard rusher. Mm-hmm. So that's important to remember as well. Um, it's just that question mark of, is the offense going to be good enough to support the defense because the defense can't do it on their own? Well, the defense I want to bring up before we go on into your Texans is basically mm-hmm. – very quickly staying in the same division. Go to the other the side. The Chargers. Yeah. And the big question for the Chargers, not fantasy, just overall, is have they fixed their uh, their rush defense? Have they fixed their defense against the run? And for me, when I look at this defense, I think that, A, the Chargers are primed to take over this division this year. Two, they have the offense, they have the offensive weapons to aid the defense and keep them off the field and rested so when they go out there, they are rested. And they also have guys who, with the run defense, I'm not quite sure if they've fixed all of their problems there. However, the thing I do know is that that front of Melvin Ingram, uh, Corey Leggett, Mabane, and Bosa— they're going to get after that quarterbacks. That pass rush is awesome. They are going to get after quarterbacks all day, every day. Oh, mm-hmm. and in the secondary, they added a little guy called Derwin James later in the draft, who was an absolute that. steal. They lucked out with that steal, for sure. Mark? I mean, Joey Bosa got 12 and a half sacks mm-hmm. last year. They already had uh, Boston with five interceptions last year, mm-hmm. so they already were doing what you want, getting the quarterbacks, getting turnovers. Mm-hmm. That pass rush was deadly last year. It should only be better. And, I mean, it's really that simple. It should only be better. The secondary should be better now. Uh, and hopefully this offense performs better because when you look at you know teams that throw the ball, 
Nobody's throwing the ball better than the Chargers last year. Mm-hmm. They were throwing it all over everybody. The problem was they couldn't run on anybody. Yeah. Then when you look at the defense, they didn't let anybody score on them. Mm-hmm. 17 points a game. That is fantastic for fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Now, they were not as amazing as you'd hope scoring points themselves, but these are things that should have hopefully been fixed, should hopefully be kind of redeeming factors. They hit the defensive side of the ball so hard with the draft, drafting exclusively in their first four picks, exclusively defense, then moving to the offensive side of the ball. So there's telling you right now, we know what we need to make better to be one of these best teams. Mm-hmm. We got Phillip Rivers. We got our you know our running back. We've got our uh, wide receiver. We've got our offensive line, which is pretty good. We just got to make this defense unstoppable. Yeah, and I mean for me, I because I think that they're going to like. I honestly think it could turn into a we look at this team and go, wow, they're five and one in the division. Like that's how, or like four and two, like they are winning record in the division yeah. because virtually, yeah, there's going to be one or two games that are different. Virtually they have a similar schedule to the Denver Broncos. So the similar teams I'm ra- I railed off for them are the yeah. same that the chargers are going to have to play, but I just feel like the defense is more stacked. And I feel like the quarterback is better, which makes the offense better um, than the Broncos, which is why I had the chargers ranked higher than the Broncos, but let's get into the team you wanted to talk about, the Texans, which for me, the biggest shot in the arm that they're going to get this year is that J.J. Watt's back and healthy. J.J. Watt being back healthy? I don't know because Mm J.J. Watt gets hurt a lot now. Well, I'm saying like beginning of the year, he'll be playing and not on the bench because he was injured last year. And they're a team that really didn't get to get that early young round talent Mm -hmm. because obviously they had Deshaun Watson now. Deshaun Watson's got to come back. He's Mm got to be healthy. Uh, And so far, all signs are pointing to the fact that he will be very healthy. Uh, But this is a team that when Deshaun Watson was not there, passing game was not good. Mm -hmm. The run game was still fine. They let everybody score as many points as they wanted. How good is he going to be coming back from that ACL injury? Because during Super Bowl week, I'm going to say it again, I saw... The interview he had with Dan Patrick in his jeans mm-hmm. had one of those rips right at the knee, and you saw the surgical mark right yeah. on the knee. Oh, it makes me cringe. Yeah. Oh, it makes my knee itchy, too. And Don't uh, think I think a lot it. of people are going to sit there and say, I know that J.J. Watt's there. I know that Clowney mm-hmm. is there. I know they've got a good defense. But anybody could score. I could score on this defense last year. You want to know something that's funny, too? Mm-hmm. If they would have kept their pick, I know they wouldn't have gotten Deshaun Watson for it, so that's yeah. one thing. But if they would have had their pick this year, mm-hmm. the defense could have gotten Denzel Ward or Bradley Chubb. Would have been nice. Would have been nice. But, I mean, you get, but Deshaun, you get Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Nice. So, I mean, yeah. there's that. I'm not saying they shouldn't have made that trade. Exactly. Deshaun Watson's pretty nice. Actually, in that case, if they didn't have Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. they probably would have been even higher in the draft. Yeah. They, they could have gotten, gotten anybody. anybody they wanted. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But they probably still I mean, would have taken he only, he only played, Chuck. what, four games, six games last year before he got injured? Deshaun Watson. He was like five or six. He yeah. didn't play a ton of games, so they didn't have him for like the whole year. No, no. He, I mean, he had enough. Maybe like a quarter of the enough season. Enough to throw almost 20 interceptions. True. Uh, I'm sorry, 20 touchdowns. True. He played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. Yeah. So he did play. He played almost half the year. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, with this team, I just, I, I want to rank them high, 
But there was a part of me that's like you said, oh, well, is J.J. Watt healthy because he always gets injured? So for me, it's always this team gets injured. That kind of played into it and why I had them in the top eight, but the lowest out of my top eight teams. Because it's like Houston in general to me, ever since Bill O'Brien took over, has kind of been like if there's anything to describe this NFL team, it's Murphy's Law. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong, yeah. and that's just what happens. Like they get in, they get the worst injuries at the worst times, mainly to their best players like JJ Watt. And are they going to stay healthy this year? Which yeah. kind of seems like some might say, like, well, guys, that's kind of the cop out way to look at it because look at like what this team will do when they're 100. percent But are they going to be 100 percent for the yeah. whole year? And historically, we're looking at the fact that they aren't ever really 100. Mm-hmm. percent so and no team's hundred percent, but yeah. you get you guys get what what we mean. Mm-hmm. Um, the Houston Texans are one of those ones where when you look at them on you look at them on paper, one hundred percent draft them. Mm-hmm. But it comes to we've talked about it, the tolerance that you have for risk. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to risk that? Do you believe in JJ Watt and Clowney and all these guys to stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Do you think that they will? Do you believe that Deshaun Watson's going to be healthy? Because. The man is a, a guy who is not afraid to be hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and those type of guys get hit a lot. Mm-hmm. So, personally, if I had the chance to draft the Houston Texans, I'm not sure that I will. I, I'll hesitate at least. I would. And because of injuries. I know this sounds stupid because I put them at. And I, put, I had them ranked even higher than you. I had them at five. Yeah, this is going to sound real stupid because I have one at nine, one at eight. If I'm not afraid of injuries, I draft the Texans. Let's say I'm eighth. I'm league of eight. Yeah. I'm drafting the eighth defense off the board. I would, if I'm afraid of injuries, I might take the Saints over the Texans if I'm going off of my personal rankings of like. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, this team is good, but it's like, you know what? They get injured. I'm going to go with the Saints and be safe. Like, that's what it's going to be if I have to compare those. Now, if it's them or the Panthers, I'm not really high on the Panthers. I'm not clawing up as much as Mark. I'll take the Texans. It really depends Mm -hmm. who that other team is. Hell, I might even take the Seahawks or the Patriots, who I had lower over the Texans. No, I would not do that. If injuries really scare me. It depends on if injuries— really scare me when I get to the draft. Let's close this part of the rankings out with a debate. Yeah. Both you and I had the Rams and Vikings tied for second. They both had 29 points. Here's Here's how we had it. I had the Vikings at second. No, duh. I had the Rams at third. Mm -hmm. You had the Rams at second. The Vikings at third. Naturally. So what I'm going to tell you, I'll take the Vikings, you take the Rams. Mm Why did you have the Rams as your second-ranked defense behind the Jaguars? So the thing for me with the Rams, I mean, they made so many fantastic improvements Mm -hmm. to their defense. And their defense was already good. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt, they had a good defense. Now, the problem, of course, for the Rams that some people might be afraid of is, uh, you know, can this Jared Goff-led offense be as successful as it was last year. And obviously it's not just him. This is a complete team. I look at the Rams as an incredibly complete team. Uh, not saying that the Vikings are not. Mm-hmm. But the advantage that I see for the Rams over the Vikings, because I debated it for myself, the Rams do not play in the NFC North. Mm-hmm. The Vikings do. The NFC West scares me less than 
the NFC North does when it comes to a defense and the players and the teams they have to face. Because, you know, I, I look at this and I think about the fact that none of these teams were terrible last year. I mean, mm-hmm. you could say, you can make an argument that the San Francisco 49ers were terrible until, until they got Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, until he played. Yeah, exactly. Until he was playing out there. but Because they you didn't know, play him right away. The Arizona Cardinals have a quarterback that most likely will get injured and mm-hmm. then a rookie. The Seattle Seahawks are a team that's kind of falling apart a little bit. The defense is not as good. They still got a lot of great pieces, but they still haven't really addressed the offensive line, which has needed to be addressed mm-hmm. year after year. The San Francisco 49ers are, even if you are a big Jimmy Garoppolo believer, you at least have to be able to admit that, but we he has to be able to do it again. Because if Jimmy Garoppolo cannot perform the way he did perform in those six games— then obviously the San Francisco 49ers are not a team that's going to be just fine without him. They still have a lot of holes. I'm not that scared of the rest of this division. And the fun fact about this is actually the fact that the L.A. Rams will be playing the NFC North this Mm -hmm. year, part of their thing, but at least they don't have to play them twice. They don't have to play them twice, so that makes it a little bit easier. I just think that the Rams' schedule... It's just a little bit easier than the Vikings' schedule, who's got to go up against an Aaron Rodgers, a Matthew Stafford, this Matt Nagy offense. I'm not willing to put Mitch Trubisky's name out there first, but Matt Nagy's offense. You know, they're both going to play the Eagles. They're both going to play each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the they uh, both play the Seahawks. The uh, the Vikings unfortunately have to play Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that the Rams do that. The one See, advantage but, I think the Vikings have, mm-hmm. they get to play the Jets. See, but this is the thing. Like, and for defenses, like especially for that Patriot game, that might be a game that although I have the Viking defense, like this is the thing with these defenses where like the Vikings. I'm not going to be afraid of that Patriot game because for that game, I'm treating it like a buy. I'm going to bench my defense, play a matchup that's better. sure. Like, but that, when you draft a team, you want a team that's going to be more consistently. But yeah. like, if you're that's the thing with defenses, and this more so, we should have probably talked about in the last segment than this segment. Mm-hmm. The great thing about defenses is, hey, I'm not really positive on this matchup. I'm going to go and play, get this defense to play yeah. the better matchup. And for- somebody will be playing the Browns that week. Now, we keep making fun of the Browns, mm-hmm. and the Browns should have a good, better offense this year. Yeah. So maybe we should pick a different team to make well, fun of. But you get the point. They went 0 16. So yeah. until they win a game the this Wolverine year, I'm going to still there. Yeah. yeah. One win. Um, but the thing, that I find, the thing that I find funny about this Viking defense, mm-hmm. and I, I'm trying to figure out in my head. Why it was like this fantasy wise? Let me just run through really quick yep. all their points against last season. New Orleans week one, 19 points. At Pittsburgh, 26. Tampa Bay at home, 17. Detroit at home, 14. Chicago, 15. At Chicago. Home against Green Bay, 10. I believe that was the game where Aaron Rodgers, that was the one where Aaron Rodgers got injured. Baltimore at home, 16. Cleveland on the road, 16, bye week. Then they basically, besides three games, turned it on. At Washington, 30, so they didn't do well that game. The Rams only gave up seven points. At Detroit, 23. At Atlanta, 9. At Carolina, 31. 
then Cincinnati at home, 7, at Green Bay, 0, Chicago, 10. I know you could say those last two. What mm-hmm. were the Packers playing for? Nothing. Yep. What were the Bears playing for? Nothing. But They were playing to get their coach fired. I that find point. it funny mm-hmm. that this defense, you look at the first eight games, not terrible with the points against. Not like, good either, nothing, Well, not amazing, yeah. but like— you know what? Like for winning games, like that's keeping it to where they're trying to win games. Then it's like after the bye, besides the three road games at Washington, at Detroit, and at Carolina, they didn't let a team score above ten points against mm-hmm. them besides those three games. Sure. So like to me, I wonder and the thing I was trying to get through my head and kind of think about, but I don't really know if the numbers back this up, but I'll throw it out anyways. Could it be that by the time we hit the bye, Case Keenum was our established starter? I think that's when he, And that's when he really got and on his role. the other thing of it, too, I mean, but you also put it out there of teams like the, mm-hmm. the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears weren't playing for anything yeah. Um So there's a and little bit Green of that. Green Bay in that last game didn't have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, exactly. But they did have Aaron Rodgers kind of in the first one. They only scored 10 points. And uh, kind of. Three, three INTs that He game. gets himself hurt. But, yeah. Three uh, INTs. You know, with the Vikings mm-hmm. and Case Keenum, they had this dink and dunk kind of offense that Shermer loves. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to get that. You're going to get an Eagles offense. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to get something that looked like Carson Wentz last year. Let's mm-hmm. move the ball down the field. Now, not Chip Kelly. Let's move the ball down the field, but faster. But the flip side is, to be fair, the Rams are that same kind of offense with McVay. It's a, we're going to score a lot of points. However, and here's the thing I want to throw out is, last year, the Rams scored, what, 153 total points. The Vikings had 128, and I'm looking at ESPN. The reason why that they are that far apart is some would say, Ricky, the Rams scored so many points. How could you have the Vikings even close to being second? The Rams had two defensive touchdowns against the Colts, two defensive touchdowns against Jacksonville, a defensive touchdown against Arizona, a defensive touchdown against Philadelphia. That is four defensive touchdowns. Yep. 6, 12, 18, 24 points all off of defensive touchdowns, which basically, if we take those 24 away, closes that gap major. Like, yeah, huge. sure. If you take away certain points, obviously exactly. they'll be closer. Whereas the Vikings, they only had one defensive touchdown, and it was a interception return to the house against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So... To me, it wonder like I wonder, are the Rams going to be able defensively? Well, they're a better defense this year. They, they did, should be. They did add some names. However, are they going to be one? Are they still going to be that team that takes the ball away and gets into the end zone? Are the Vikings still going to be that team that hey, we're just going to try to win games? We're going to be a defense that wins games. We're not going to care. Not that they care about what goes on in fantasy. I mean, Jones Drew kneeled at the one because he wanted to screw over his fantasy owners. Yeah. And I just wonder if that's going to be the same case. Plus, with the Rams' offense, and this is minor, but I'm still going to throw it out, are teams going to have a better idea of what to expect from McVay and Goff because now they have an entire year of film? It's definitely possible. It's a minor thing. I'm not going to say it's a make-or-break thing, but 
if that happens and the offense is hindered in some mm-hmm. way and the defense, like we said, has and to play more. The big question is, Adama can sue. Mm-hmm. He's out there. I mean, you got multiple guys who uh, mm-hmm. are known for penalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is that going to be something that hurts the Rams? Because you're basically shortening that field and making yeah. it easier for an offense to score. Any team that we didn't talk about that you want to mention? Um, you know, I, I think that the rest of them are surefire things. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Jaguars, there's no doubt there. There's no doubt are about the Eagles or the Ravens. Are they still going to be at the end of the year? Are we still going to think the Jaguars are the best fantasy defense, or do they take a step back from last year? I don't necessarily think they'll take a step back from last year. I think they'll still be good. Yeah. I, I believe in them still. There's a reason I put them number one. Yeah. And I think I had them last year as my defense and fantasy. The one that I'm interested the most about is the Ravens. And the reason why mm-hmm. is if you look at – let me see if I can pull up these team stats again. Um, if I go to give and takeaways from last year, Baltimore had the most most differential, and I believe they had the most total takeaways. They did. They had the most total takeaways, one more than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville was a plus 10, though, because Blake Bortles. Yeah. Um, 22 INTs, 12 fumbles, whereas... Jacksonville had 21 INTs, 12 fumbles. So yeah. that is one where people might be saying, guys, you might be criminally ro- low on the Ravens' defense, but what are we going to expect they're from number that five. team? What are, We're not low on hey, them. If, there might be someone that has them higher than the Eagles, has them higher than mm-hmm. the Rams or Vikings. I think that you could make a case, if you wanted to, for the Ravens to be a top three defense, but I would not. I would put them right where I did. I would be too worried about uh, potential Joe Flacco things. Yes, because I had them at five. Basically, if I'm looking at my top five compared to ours, my top five is exactly the same, except I flipped the Vikings and the Rams. Yeah. Whereas yours, you have the exact same top four with the Chargers. The only thing you think is you flip the... Texans and the Ravens. Yep. Where you had the Ravens in uh, out of your top five, Texans in your top five, and I had that vice versa. But anything before I should throw it on to them for uh, comments? No. Let's see what they got to say. <laughs> Mark's like, no, we pretty much talked about almost <laughs> we, everyone. We Ricky. did pretty much talk about but, everybody. That's the nice thing about when you only got eight teams. And this is where you guys come in, camera shuts off, looking at the logo on YouTube, but it doesn't matter. We're going to be moving on a little bit. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section about our one through eight defenses and our rankings in total. If you're listening on podcast services around the world, but let's move on into our last segment, Mark. And we're kind of going back into something that uh, is not foreign to us. I mean, we've been doing rankings, so we haven't really been doing news stories here on the onside kick, but with the rankings only going to 16 decided we needed a little something to supplement that time. And we're taking a look today at, to me, it was between one of two things. It was either talk about T.O. saying that he could play at 44 and if a team should go ahead and invite him to training camp mm-hmm. or talk about something a little bit more serious in the Earl Thomas trade discussions for this season. And just to kind of set everything up in case you guys had forgotten, at the draft, apparently the Seahawks were looking to deal Earl Thomas if they could get a first-round pick a second-round pick for him, and there was a reported trade with the Dallas Cowboys that was offered 
Dallas called. They offered the trade. Seahawks never called them back. So we never got to see what that trade would have been. I think mm-hmm. they said it was, it was a, second a Dallas round, second round pick. But the thing I want to ask you, Mark, is Earl Thomas, Seahawks have kind of dove into trade discussions earlier with him. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Does Earl Thomas or do the Seahawks trade Earl Thomas this season? And part of the thing that a lot of people are talking about is the fact that Earl Thomas not showing up to the OTAs, the voluntary mm-hmm. workouts. Well, he wants $11 million yeah. as his annual salary. Me too. So there's that too. I would love it. He wants a little bit of uh, some moolah from yeah. the Seahawks if he's going to resign. You know, you don't necessarily blame him, but here's the thing with the Seahawks and the thing that I think a guy like Earl Thomas needs to look at is mm-hmm. they've already kind of said that, yeah, you defensive guys, it was fun, but we're not paying you. Yeah. You know, um, and Earl Thomas is 29, so it's not like he is, uh, you know, that old in football standards. He's still playing at a very high level. He's still doing, you know, great things to lead a defense, to lead mm-hmm. a team. But I kind of don't think they're going to pay him. Uh, I don't think they're going to necessarily trade him, though. I would be a little surprised about that because if that didn't work on that draft day, if they were not willing to pick that phone call or pick up that phone and return to that make call, that trade. then I think that was the time to do it. This is probably not going to happen at this point unless the Seahawks really have a bad year and then maybe a little bit later in the season but right now I don't see it happening it's too late the first thing I think about is whenever we talk trades in the NFL my first reaction is to say no like usually when it comes to when we get to the actual season take draft out of it like draft we see trades all over the place but once we get to the actual season no one trades. Like, it's one of the things where me and you always joke around where we get to the trade deadline. It's like, oh, should we talk about the trade deadline? Not really, because no one's going to get traded. We can talk about people moving, but no one's going to get traded. Like, yeah. it's not like ba- – like, I feel like baseball is the most activity. Hockey is the second most activity. Yep. Basketball is the third most activity. And then there's football. Like, no one gets traded at the trade deadline in football. So, for me – I don't think that Earl Thomas is going to get traded this year. If I had to put my money on it, I would say that he plays out this season. At the end of the year, hey, I won $11 million. The Seahawks go, thanks but no thanks, and they let him walk. Yeah. But there's always something in the back of my head that if, let's say, the Cowboys, I'll throw them out because they offered before. Let's say they get some injuries on defense, get some injuries to that secondary do these talks resurface and the Seahawks closer to the deadline think about it and pull that trigger? It's certainly possible. I mean, they've already had some kind of rumors out there that the Cowboys are still interested mm-hmm. in him and they still and are, are going for it. Yeah, I agree with you. Why not? Especially a team like the uh, like the, the Cowboys that really could use a great uh, safety weapon like Earl Thomas for sure. There's no reason not to go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good team that will only be kind of that much closer to being that true Super Bowl contender with him. Honestly, though, when I'm thinking about it, I really can't think of another team that's going to make a trade for him and then have to resign them themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about the teams that are those Super Bowl contenders right now, 
and I'm thinking which one of these teams absolutely is devoid of defense, you know, a team that has to go and make this splash, Mm -hmm. and I don't think I have somebody. You know, I don't, besides the Dallas Cowboys, I don't know that I can think of somebody who needs to do it at that one-year rental price where it's going to be worth a second-round pick to you, and then you have to go re-sign him yourself. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know he's asking for $11 million. Well, I the Cowboys—that's why, to me, if there's any team that's going to do that, mm-hmm. it's the Cowboys. Like, look at this. The Cowboys took a—I'm going to say a flyer. They signed Greg Hardy for a year after he got released from Carolina. That was the year when we did the whole weekly previews that Sean would basically, for the preview, say— F Dallas, and that would be the entire preview because of our stance on Greg Hardy and what he did. But, I mean, they've done it in the past where Jerry Jones has mostly free agents. I'm going to dish out the money for you, even if I'm bringing you in for a year to help this defense and give your, for for that, Greg Hardy, your pass rush talents to help us win games. So, for me, I feel like where the Cowboys are, that is why this trade would work is because their MO is I don't care if I'm only using you for a year, Earl Thomas. Yeah. If you help us win this division, if you help us get back to the playoffs, then I can see them making that deal because the Cowboys don't really like their ownership doesn't really think about long term in that sense. Definitely. They think about what's going to help me this year and they might be pressing a little bit because the Eagles won the Super Bowl. It's possible. The only other thing that maybe somebody could try and convince me for, mm-hmm. and I say maybe very, I'm emphasizing maybe, the Green Bay Packers. All right. Because of the fact that they made a point this year to say, we are helping the defensive backs. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know that they've got room, but... Earl Thomas over Josh Jones? I think I'd take that. I I don't know about over HaHa Clinton Dix. But are they going to be the team? Like, are the Packers going to be the team that wants to? They don't make big moves. They don't make big moves. However, but they don't need that second round pick. Let's put it this way: We said, oh, the Packers don't make big moves, but they kind of did make a big move with the Cleveland Browns this offseason, mm-hmm. where. Not only did they take in Deshaun Kaiser, they moved Demarius Randall. Yep. Like that was like when that happened, I was like, whoa, holy crap. They got rid of Demarius Randall. And I mean, for me, the only reason why I necessarily don't see that trade happening is because Earl Thomas plays the free safety for yeah. the Seahawks, and that's haha Clinton Dick's territory. Unless you feel like either one of those guys could move over to mm-hmm. strong safety. And the fact as well that Josh Jones was a last year's draft pick at mm-hmm. the second round. So, so that would basically be them giving up on him. Yeah, I just don't see that happening. That's why I was saying the strong maybe, but the mm-hmm. only other team you could convince me is a team that is ready to make a splash, and Earl Thomas is that mm-hmm. one. Because I do think Earl Thomas, I'll take him over Jones for sure. Well, but I, it's not the best fit, um, and mm-hmm. it's just not likely that a team like the Green Bay Packers would do that. But, hey, it's a Super Bowl contender every single year who has said defensive backs need to be better this year. I also feel like the Richard Sherman, how that all played out, mm-hmm. is foretelling or foreshadowing on what to expect here. Yeah, Because with Richard Sherman, they didn't move him, mainly because, let's be honest, with Richard Sherman, I ain't going to move you. 
It, you, You're good. I'd rather have you play for me mm-hmm. and not hurt me than trade you somewhere else and the possibility of you playing me someday. Although now you got to play him twice a year. You could have ensured that it was someone you don't get mm-hmm. to see twice a year. Well, I mean, at the end of the year, he could have left and went to the But he probably would have gotten paid by the team willing to trade for him. But that's another thing. He went to San Francisco, and he's like, one of the main reasons I came here is I get to play you guys twice exactly. a year, and I'm going to beat you twice a year. Exactly. But we— Earl Thomas isn't the only one that's going to be in this situation because I'm looking at contracts right now for Seattle. Earl Thomas at the end of this year wants $11 million. He ain't going to get that $11 million. I think what's going to happen is I'll give the answer right now. He doesn't get traded. He plays out the full year if he's healthy with the Seattle Seahawks. Sayonara, you're gone at the end of the year. Then they have two other contracts on the defense that they also have to think about. You mentioned Earl Thomas, 29. They have Cam Chancellor, who is 30, who, yeah, he's got 2019 and 2020, but that's a contract that is going to be coming up. Do they think about moving him in the next two years, or do we see a similar thing play out these next years? 2020 happens, bye-bye at the end of the year. Then they also have Bobby Wagner, which they did have a potential out last year, didn't take it. I mean, Bobby Wagner, only 27, so he is a little bit younger, but he's got this year and next year, then he's a free agent. So, I mean, to me, I want to know, and we mentioned this defense in our rankings, I really want to see what happens with this defense because it's kind of the— I've heard people either on it was either on NFL Live or on the Waddle and Sylvie ESPN radio talking about defenses. And they brought in the Denver Broncos defense as the example. Like, oh, right now you're good, but these defenses, because of age, because it's hard to keep them together with money, these great defenses have a short shelf yep. life. And we are seeing the end of that shelf life for the Seahawks to where it's impossible to keep these contracts together. They're all getting old, and once you get older, it's harder to play that defense. It's not like quarterback where, I mean, I'll bring Terrell Owens in where he was talking to the Herd about playing, and he goes, the Herd goes, you're crazy. You're crazy for thinking you could play at 44, and and T.O. actually had a good response. He goes, you only think that because it's never happened. A wide receiver hasn't come in at 44 and played. He goes, the only reason you say that about Tom Brady when Tom Brady says he can play the 45 is because you've seen him play at the levels he's at. Plus, playing the quarterback that he does is a lot different than playing the wide receiver position or the free safety position. So getting back to the Seahawks, though, I feel like this defense has hit its shelf life. And that's why we're seeing all these draft picks coming in because we're going to infuse this Well, we knew it was going to happen. I mean, it's the same thing that— Well, we've been talking about this for years. Yeah, in three or four years, we're going to see it with the Eagles and with the mm-hmm. Rams, and then eventually with the Chicago Bears, because that's say a young team as well. We're going to see it soon with the Vikings, yep. maybe. That Vikings defense, mm-hmm. probably in about two years, is mm-hmm. going to be torn apart because of money. I wouldn't say torn apart, but, I mean, there will be guys You can only pay so many leave. people. Yeah, there yeah. will be guys that leave. And that's exactly what we said with the Seattle Seahawks, that they had they did such a great job drafting this young talent. Mm-hmm. And Russell Wilson was a huge part of that in being a great quarterback on a rookie deal. Rookie deal as in later round or mm-hmm. mid-round uh, rookie deal. So you had such a huge advantage. Once you had to start paying people, 
anybody who thought about it knew it's not going to be as good of a defense. This defense will come apart. And hey, mm-hmm. that's what the NFL is set up to be. The NFL is not set up for dynasties like the New England Patriots. That's not how the NFL is supposed to mm-hmm. be. It's supposed to be this team is good this year, and in three years they won't be good anymore. Then this team will be good. Mm-hmm. It is a league designed to constantly ebb and flow for teams to be good and bad and then middle ground and all over the place because of that that cap limit. That cap limit is set there to do exactly this, to make sure a team can't be the Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that doesn't happen in this league. And I love it that way. Mm-hmm. It's great to see... It was great to see a team that be good like the Seattle Seahawks. It's great to see them come back down. And then other teams like the Eagles, like the Rams, like the Vikings. It's Well, I don't want to see the Vikings, but it's nice to see those teams rise mm-hmm. up and the Jacksonville Jaguars take their place. Here's the thing I want to ask you, and this is getting a little bit away from Earl Thomas, but I want to ask mm-hmm. it anyways, is we mentioned in our rankings, didn't really talk about it much, was the comments, I want to say it was by um, Avril. Where Cliff Avril, where he says the um, basically the S- Super Bowl where Marshawn Lynch, they didn't run it on the one yard line. That was the one where it's like, hey, you know what? The locker room started to divide yeah. at that point. The thing I want to ask you is what Pete Carroll, let me exactly look at when he came in exactly for the Seahawks. I'm going to pull that up really quick. So he came in 2010. He's been there for eight. Wow, this is going to be his eighth season. Yeah, it's been a long time. With the Seahawks. And this is with his playoff and Super Bowl. Let's see. He's been to, in that time, one, two, three, four, five, six playoffs. He's only missed it twice. And he's been to two Super Bowls back to back, one and one in both of those. The question I want to ask you. Mm hmm. How much further do you think Pete Carroll will be the head coach of this team? Are we beginning to see not just the end of this defense, but the end of Pete Carroll as the Seahawks head coach? To me, it really comes down to how he does with another group. Mm -hmm. Because he essentially came in and he had to build this back up and he did a very good job of doing it. But he also had a little bit of advantage. He was just in the college world. He knew what a lot of those guys were like. Mm -hmm. He built this young team. Now this team is older. Can he build another team? I would say Pete Carroll's earned himself four or five years to do that. Mm-hmm. I think he's earned himself plenty of time. Um, now, if I am some fan of the Seahawks or someone in the organization, I want to see us get back to the NFC Championship game sometime mm-hmm. very soon. You know, I, I don't want to be this team that's one and done out of the playoffs or anything like that. I want to say I think we're still good, and they are still a good team, so we should be able to still be competing. Uh, But I do think that he has this opportunity to build this other team, and I think he's doing fairly well with it so far. The question is just, is he going to be able to do it again? And if he can, he keeps going for a while. If he's not going to do it, then he will probably will end up getting replaced. Well, and the thing that really helped him his first year— And he's also an older coach. That's relevant, Well, because he not only coached with the Patriots— Mm-hmm. He coached a while at USC. Yep. Now he's coached for a while in Seattle. The thing I was going to ask you, the thing that kind of helped him was, although his team went 7-9 and nine in that first year, do you remember um, what happened in the playoffs that was the 2010 playoffs? I think it was 2011. That so was, was beast mode. Season. 
It was they beat, beat the mode. Saints. So that was, and also, I wish I still had the audio clip because back in that day, I was still in college doing college radio, and me and my co-host for that night, week before the um, wild card games, we were talking about this game, and I said, "Hey, you know what? I I think don't count out the Seahawks," and he blatantly said. This was also the same year I made a bet with my other co-host that he said Jacksonville would make the playoffs. I said they wouldn't. Jacksonville missed a last-second kick against the Colts, which would have sent them to the playoffs. The bet was I got to shave his head on the air, which was great. The other one was with this game, my other co-host said, I don't see that happening. If the Seahawks win, I will shave my head and my eyebrows. Mm -hmm. I let him keep his eyebrows, but really so kind. he should have. Shaved his eyebrows also, but that was the year they beat the Saints after being seven and nine, getting a home game for that too, being a seven nine team with a home game, and then they lose to the Bears. Bears go on to the NFC title game, and that's where you got to see Jay Cutler ride the bike that everyone likes to talk about. That's right. Where you guys lost to the Packers and see them win a where his, Super Bowl. Uh, legs exploded. Where his legs exploded. But any final thoughts you got? Because I kind of feel like we've gotten to the root of this. I think that. We are seeing the begin. We have been seeing the beginning of the end for the Seahawks for a while. The beginning of the end was that Super Bowl, because yeah, it's a great run. You got to two Super Bowls. You knocked off one of the top two quarterbacks in the current NFL in Peyton Manning, with Tom Brady being number one. But you couldn't knock off number one because your head coach didn't want to run the ball with your best asset in the backfield on the one yard line. Don't really know. What was going on there still to surprise him. That was the beginning of the end for this team. I feel like we're seeing it now. Richard Sherman gone. We'll see Earl Thomas gone via free agency. Then we'll see Bobby Wagner gone. Then we'll see Cam Chancellor gone. And eventually either a Pete Carroll will leave on his own or he will be fired and they will move on to the next coach. Any final thoughts before we end up to end this podcast? Only thing worth saying is, uh, You know, good on the Eagles. They got uninvited to the White House. It's, yep. it's for a funny thing for a team that mm-hmm. not a single player on that team in the regular season or the playoffs knelt during the national anthem. Not a single I one. They did only in the preseason. Not a, and that player got cut. I thought they, but I thought they had the. I think they were an arm and arm team. No, I thought they. Now the thing I thought they did mm-hmm. was. I thought they had, I can't remember his first name, I believe he was one of Howie Long's kid, where he had the one where one of his teammates knelt, they really ragged on him, and then the next game he had like his arm around his shoulder. I believe that might have been what happened in the preseason, but I, okay. my understanding, comments, feel free if we're wrong, my understanding is during the regular season and the playoffs, not a single one of their players did. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that they were an arm in arm or an arm above each other. Either way... With that being said, we have not talked about, and we're not going to probably talk about it now, the national anthem thing right now. No. But if you the want only to, thing— If you want to hear about that, Brandon did a full video about it. And he did, the he only did thing worth saying is this proves the point still of the NFL wants this to go away so badly, mm-hmm. and they're failing miserably at making that happen. And part of that, of course, is because the president's going to tweet about it, and he's going to uninvite— the Philadelphia Eagles there. They weren't going to go it. anyways. I found it. You're right. It was an arm-in-arm thing. Mm-hmm. It was long, but it was one of those. I can't remember who he had in front of him because 
at numbers. I don't memorize yeah. the Eagles uh, it's not numbers. Yeah. It was guy in front, fist up like this, long in the back with his hand on his shoulder, but they yeah. were standing. And, you know, and that's, that's a team that did it for their own reason. It's only worth mentioning because I, I do think it's worth mentioning that the NFL is trying so hard to bury this. And but they seem to can't. They can't. And honestly, if they had ignored it and they didn't make their mm-hmm. policies, they didn't do whatever it was. It just would have faded away. But now it's still being talked about. Which is, and the only thing I'll say, which could be a good thing because keeping the spotlight on it, the yeah, if you're, what all of this is, how this all started isn't going away. Which is which is good in that case for sure. But yeah, the NFL mm. wants it buried and the NFL is doing everything wrong to do that. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think about the Seattle Seahawks, about Earl Thomas. What's going to happen? Will he get traded? Is he going to leave at the end of the season? Do they give him the money? Like You could have that thought, I guess. Do they give him the money at the end of the year? What's going to go on with the Seahawks? What do you think down below in the comment section? Also, a little housekeeping to end. Patreon.com backslash Most Valid Podcast. If you want to support us, that link is in the description also. If you want the shirt Mark is wearing, make sure to check out the store link in the description. You can also get it at mostvalidpodcast.com. Also, you can catch MVP each and every day. And then also, if you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, make sure to go give the onside kick a five-star rating. And then also go and write a little something-something about what you liked about it and why other people should check us out. But thank you guys for watching on YouTube. Thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.